Welcome to the first episode of On The Line Podcast. We're joined by Ben, the uh, co-host of it with me, Casey. And, um, you know, we're in the thick of college basketball right now. It's December 23rd, two days until Christmas. Unfortunately, a lot of games are being canceled, but we're going we're gonna to keep powering through. We're having a great college basketball season. So just to preview the show for us, the inaugural episode of On The Line Pod, we, we're going pre- to review LSU Lipscomb. We're going to talk about LSU as a whole this season, as well as into SEC play. What can we expect from them? Then we'll give you some different conference previews because this is not just an LSU basketball podcast. This is a college basketball podcast as a whole, and we like to we like to watch the little guys more than than the big teams. To be frankly honest, I know Ben definitely does. Absolutely. So, just the we're going to preview four conferences today. We're going to go over the Ohio Valley Conference. We're going to give you who we think may win the regular season, top two teams, as well as the the all-OVC team. Uh, ben, are you going to do one or are you going to do multiple? I have an all-conference team for every conference we're going to preview today. Okay. All right. So we'll just do one all-conference team each. Then we'll preview the SEC, like I said, with LSU. We're going to preview the Mountain West because there's a lot of good basketball going on in the Mountain West. If you're not up to – speed on the Mountain West, we're definitely going to get you up to speed because that is a great basketball conference right now. And they, they have some really good teams up there that are going to make some noise come March. And then we'll we'll uh, end it with the Missouri Valley Conference. We have uh, a couple other special games at the end that we, we hope you like. So let's let's get into LSU Lipscomb last night. LSU beat Lipscomb at home 95-60, to 60, and they improved to 12-0. Ben, what were your thoughts? You were in the building. You were in the death dome. Uh, first thought was whenever we started the game, I was like, is that Tari Eason in street clothes? And it definitely was. And I was a little scared to start the game. Not scared because Lipscomb was out their best player for the last couple of weeks now. And I knew they were going to be shorthanded offensively. But honestly, I was intrigued to see how we would play. Hopefully, we would play more as a team. Hopefully, we wouldn't rely on Tari to kind of bail us out offensively at times. And I thought it went... Okay, I mean, didn't really see, saw a lot of turnovers, I saw that Will Wade wasn't happy about that, did not really see the team basketball was looking for, the game got out of hand quickly, it got sloppy, and unfortunately they played into that, and they played sloppy both on offense and defense, but their talent just took over, they just, their offensive talent took over, Darius Days had 21 points, he got back in his shooting groove, uh, Xavier Pinson, ex Xavier Pinson was awesome. He made a bunch of threes. He had 17 points for the game, and yeah, I got out of hand very quickly. It, it did get out of hand, and they were there were a few times where we were a little sloppy offensively. The one thing I'd like to see more of this LSU team is while I think they're good in transition when it's a two on one or a three on one, they rely on their athleticism. There isn't really much fast break offensive structure after that. They don't do a really good job of, you know, kicking into the corner, get into the trail three, uh, taking advantage of not necessarily that, that first fast break, but that second fast break. Once everyone's back, now you've kind of caught them on their heels, attack them, get to the rim. And I, I, I would like to see a little bit more of that come conference play. That's going to be huge for them. Yeah, because they're going to need the free points. I mean, yeah. We've already seen this is not a great half-court team, and the better teams they play are going to play better half-court defense, and they're going to need those free points in the open floor. They, they, they ran. They pretty much run the same pick and roll set 
every single play where Efton's going to set a screen. They're going to set a back screen on Efton's defender as he rolls to the basket. Then they're going to do a pick and pop there. It's it, it's a good set, but when you run it every single time. And you got to have more than it, one set. Yeah, it, it gets a little repetitive. And you have to highlight more than two players in your sets. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the guy I've been really impressed with to start non-con play has been Xavier Penson. I wasn't really sure what we were going to be getting from him, but I've been really impressed with him. One, as a point guard, but I, I do think he can score the ball probably better than I originally anticipated. He has a few go-to moves. He's a really good hesitation move. If he can start combining that step back that you saw last night where he does that between the legs, step back, right into a three, perfect dip. I mean, he transitioned right into his pocket. That was beautiful. Once he starts combining that with a with a hezzy, it's it's going to be really dangerous. And I, I think he could be a sleeper for, you know, a, a second team SEC this year. He's, he's really impressed me. But, I mean, Lipscomb was just out of match last night, obviously. They were, and it was sad because I watched them probably a month ago go to Dayton, get a 20-point win, where they were very impressive. Their center, uh, Asmada Abdullah, I hope I'm getting that right. He's a uh, 6'10 player, lefty, very skilled. He was able to distribute from the uh, elbow, score down low, got a lot of rebounds. I want to say he had over 20 points, 10 rebounds, and four or five assists, and they were dominant at Dayton. So I was excited for them to play here. I was excited for that matchup with uh, Abdullah and Afton. I thought that would give them some good experience. So I was disappointed. They shut him down a couple weeks ago and said he wasn't going to return until conference play. Yeah, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. It would have it given Afton good experience because as of, as of now, we haven't really seen Afton have to go against a veteran big. And while I think when he goes against Fulkerson in Tennessee, I, I expect him to, to do well, it's just I would have liked to have seen it in, in a non, non-con play. He, he really did well against uh, Belmont, and I, that was impressive to see, to see how he handled Belmont and a veteran, a veteran team like that. But it, also, what do you think about Efton shooting threes? Uh, I, I kind of wanted to get your take on that. I mean, they're going to need it. They're going to need – the floor spacing throughout the season. And he has a good stroke, and he has good rhythm. He doesn't think about it. There's no hesitation, which is good. And, I mean, he's not a great shooter, but he's a good enough shooter that he's going to threaten from there, and people are going to have to guard him. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's going to have to keep taking those shots for them to be really good offensively. He is. And the, the, thing, the thing about him is, I think one, it's going to help his development as an NBA prospect, but two, it is going to help the team overall, right? I mean, if he can make those those shots, yeah, it is beneficial for us in in the short term, but it's going to be beneficial for him in the long term in terms of getting drafted potentially. And I I don't think his shot and his fluidity as a big is is really where it needs to be right now for him to get drafted so i do hope he stays next year well, yeah you're talking about opening stuff for the other players on the floor because our other two bigs tari and darius their strengths are putting the ball on the floor into the rim drawing fouls getting their free throw line and so he has to step out and hit some threes to open some space for them yeah and it, it, the, the thing about efton is He's, he's kind of one of our better ISO players in, in the sense that when we throw the ball to, 
him on the block. He, you don't really see many freshmen go to a sky hook or go, or go to a left hook over his shoulder after faking right. It's it, it gets you very excited, but those kind of players they do limit what you do offensively to a degree if they can't step out and at least space the floor. I'm not saying he has to stand up there and shoot 30 footers, but if he could at least stand in that short corner, you know, set a flare screen for someone like Brandon Murray coming in. I think that's really going to help the team when Tari or Darius or Xavier put the ball on the floor. So I've been, I've, I've been impressed with him. The main thing for him is going to be foul trouble. Like it is. For no. most. And he gets, he gets some stupid fouls. It's, and it's 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 over effort. It's because he's trying too hard. It's because he's going for loose balls. He probably shouldn't be going for. It's probably because he's over pursuing rebounds that have already been gained by the other team. Which it's not like he's doing stupid stuff like hacking people or reaching in when he shouldn't. It's over effort, which you can appreciate. But man, I mean, you're by far the tallest player on the team. You have to stay on the floor. And and he's learning. He's learning very hard right now uh, how college basketball is officiated. He's, he's definitely having a struggle with that in terms of, okay, they're going to call me on some charges that aren't charges. Yep. You know, so he's, he's been cooking up – he's been picking up some cheap offensive fouls, one or two a game, where immediately he's going to be in foul trouble. But you want to you wanna preview the upcoming stretch? Because it is well, a well, – what one uh, more – I, I thought that even though he didn't play tonight, we should just highlight Tarice and a little bit. By far the MVP of this team through twelve games or whatever, and he's just been incredibly impressive. I'll just read off a couple things. He's got a one twenty point six offensive rating on Kim Palm, which is first in the SEC. He's also in the highest usage bracket, which is just incredible. And his uh, as of Monday, his offensive rating was in the top ten in the nation. He's fifth in block percentage in the SEC, shooting 83% from the free throw line. We were looking at 16.3, 7.5 rebounds, and a block and a half per game. And those are pretty absurd stats for a kid at Cincinnati last year who really didn't show any of the skills he's showing this year. Was mostly a traditional big, blocked a ton of shots, I will say. Played incredible defense, but not this offensive versatility he's been showing. I mean, once he puts the ball on the ground and gets a shoulder in front of somebody, it's over. All they're going to do is foul him. He's too quick. I, I guess I guess my question for you would be for, for maybe our LSU fans who haven't really been watching us in the non-con and, and have been focused on football. And now, you know, turn of the new year, they're gonna, they are going to start focusing on LSU basketball and they are going to focus on LSU during this SEC stretch. Who who might Tari Eason remind you of as a former LSU player? Is there anyone that that comes to your mind? Maybe like an Emmett Williams body type, but just incredibly skilled offensively. Like, right. I just that's... it had to be the summer work because I have I watched him play last year. None of this. The the maybe they just didn't let him do it. But the ball control, the dribbling, the strength, and the finishing around the rim is unreal. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. You know how I feel about, about Tari as a player, so I'll start I'll start gushing about him. Uh, Tari Tari's from the Seattle area. A lot of good basketball I played out there. He went to Garfield High, played with two other Division One prospects. One's currently a four star at Garfield. But a little a little trivia knowledge for some of you that may not know his story. He actually played 
in the state you know tournament state finals he he won the state tournament he was the mvp of a state championship and one of the guys that he consistently beat his senior year was paulo bancaro uh someone who's kind of right now the unanimous number one pick and tari really showed little to no fear from paulo and uh, against the plethora of good competition in that seattle washington area so the kid the kid has has the talent he's got that x factor but the reason i asked you about you know any anyone that he reminds you of as an lsu player is because i, I think there's a lot of guys who remind you of he reminds you a little taris thomas he reminds you a little of jerrell martin he reminds you a little of jordan mickey he reminds you a little of emmett williams but the thing the thing that really impresses you is just how polished he is offensively and how he can really he can he can put the ball on the ground and it's not he's not just putting the ball on the ground and okay i'm gonna go right yeah head head down straight to the rim exactly it's not it's not that at all it is i'm gonna put the ball on the ground head hard and if you come at me i'm gonna go behind the back and i'm gonna dunk on you it is it's really impressive to watch him go to work. The thing I really want to see him continue to develop over the course of the season is his three-point shot. It's it's there at times, and then at other times he's hitting the side of the backboard. He's bricking the shot. But if he can develop that, he's going to be a dangerous player. I, I don't. I, I just wonder with him how long can Will Wade keep him on on the bench? You know, I get it. He's playing the whole game, and he's not really a bench player. But at some point. The guy's got to start, and I know that's probably not in Tari's M.O. Tari probably doesn't care. I'm conflicted because I see what he's doing, He's and he's getting them in very quickly. He gets Eason and Gaines in the game very quickly, three minutes tops, and it provides just a punch of energy, athleticism, defensive intensity, and I see what he's doing, but the uh, – the La Tech game, we didn't get a stoppage in play for probably the first six or seven minutes of the game, and we got down 10, 12 points. So if you're not going to get them in in a stoppage in the first three, four, or five minutes, you have to call a timeout, and then you have to waste the timeout, stop the game. I agree. I don't know. I'm conflicted because it does work a lot of times. He puts Gaines and Easton in. They turn the press up. They get defensive intensity up. They run a lot more, and then they, they make a surge when they come in the game. But – does it work the same if they start the game? I guess is my question. If it does, then why don't you start both of them, honestly? Right. Well, next, uh, our, our first game, that we're going to find out kind of what he does. And do, do we have any idea what the injury was? Is It It obviously wasn't COVID. He said he, he, said he was experiencing some back problems during the LaTeX game, and they said it was completely precautionary. You know, I have a, have a back problem last night. I pulled a, <laughs> pulled, pulled my back lifting today. So, yeah. Well, so yeah, I was happy to see it was precautionary. So that's good. Okay, so he'll, he should be back then. Yeah, he should play. They have a full week until they play Auburn next Wednesday, I believe. Okay. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and preview that game and and kind of preview the SEC as a as a whole here. Uh, so we. We play at Auburn, December 29th. Uh, Auburn's coming off of a big win against a very good Murray State team. Uh, and we're going to talk about Murray State later when we get to the Ohio Valley Conference. But, yeah, Ben, I'll, I'll let you preview it first. What are you expecting in this game? And, and what are you looking forward to see 
you know, LSU's LSU strength of schedule right now is two oh six. I don't I don't care what your strength of schedule is, going twelve and zero is impressive. But what are you seeing? What are you looking to see out of this LSU team to maybe say, okay, this this isn't just a strength of schedule thing. This team is for real. They are they are as good as they have been. I was also gonna mention about Auburn. They went on the road to St. Louis last week and got a big win. They've also played in that big uh, tournament down in Atlantis. They lost to UConn and Triple. They've just played a lot more big games than we have at this point. I think they're way more ready for this game than we are, sadly. And I think we're gonna get punched in the mouth early because we don't. We come out slow. We come out slow. We're gonna get punched in the mouth early. I think. And uh, I think Auburn's too good to let us back in the game. We're gonna. We're gonna force some turnovers. Hopefully. I mean, you know how I feel about Walker Kessler. I think he's soft, and I think that our bigs can bang with him, even though he's seven foot two or whatever he is. And I think Efton can score on him, and Efton is more physical than him. But man, Jabari Smith is just so good. The rest of their guards around him have been playing so much better. Katie Johnson, the transfer from Georgia, nothing like. I don't know what happened. What happens to these guys over the summer? I mean, he was terrible last year. Couldn't hit anything. This year he comes in ultra aggressive, finishes everything at the rim, playing perfect complement to Jabari Smith and their other guards. And I just think they're going to be too much for this on opening night. If this was the fourth or fifth game of the schedule, I'd feel a lot better about it. What would you make the line? I would say Auburn by six. I'd say I'd say Auburn four and a half, five. About, about there as well. I, I unfortunately I, I see Auburn beating us eighty two seventy five. Um, I you know I know that that score prediction is probably going to jump out to some of you, especially with the way LSU's defense is has performed. Look, we're we're now in SEC play, and I'm not even saying we're a bad defensive team. I think we're a great defensive team. I think defense is going to be the strength of this LSU team and if we want to make a sweet 16 of lead eight even a final four run which we're capable of doing defense is going to need to lead us but this is going to be the game where LSU where all these little cracks here and there at, over the last two weeks that Will Wade's been saying in his press conference about all those about to come to fruition and Auburn's going to get the dub here I entirely agree with you about about Walker Kessler and, and Efton Reed. That's that's gonna be an interesting matchup. You have two five star centers going at it. Slender builds, both of them. Yeah. Very similar players to some extent. Yeah. The real matchup's gonna be Jabari Smith against Tari Eason though. And that is that is the matchup we're all looking forward to. Jabari Smith, I I don't, I don't know what else I can say about the guy. He's 6'10", can put the ball on the ground. He's fluid. His stroke's pure. He can rebound. He's not afraid of anyone. He can shoot free throws. It, it, the guy is going to be a top five pick, maybe a top three pick, maybe the number one pick in the country. Um, and I would, I'd kind of lean at, as of now, he's probably my SEC player of the year if we were just going to go early. Um, Absolutely. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a great matchup though. Yeah, I don't uh, think she's gonna get blown out. No, uh, there's might, a there's a early at first. It might be a little yeah. too to start, but uh, it's not gonna be a blowout. This, this team doesn't have it DNA to blow anyone out. And there's a path to victory for this team. Uh, like you said, the first five ten minutes of this game are gonna be huge. If LSU can keep it very close, the first 10, 15 minutes in the halftime, it's close. 
then that's going to be looking really good for them. I'll feel a lot better about this game because they have gotten off slow starts. If they can get off a fast start in this game, then they don't have to overcome the deficit they dig for themselves. And if they can keep Jabari Smith out of the paint, all their guards out of the paint, if they can form a wall, if they can make them shoot a lot of three-pointers, and they can win the rebounding battle, then they can keep this game, you know, in the 60s, low 70s. And that's the formula for LSU to win this year, I think. If a team gets in the upper 70s, 80s, that we're not going to win a lot of those games. And Auburn is going to run with us. We're, they're going to run with us, so we need to capitalize in transition. We need to capitalize defensively in transition, which we've been really good at this year. And we need to keep people out of the paint. But there's a path to victory for sure. Yeah. The big the big thing we need to do is we need to get back in transition. Oh, was it the Liberty game or the Belmont game where – it was the Belmont game. I think it was the Belmont game where we just we were not getting back in transition. And if Auburn is hitting their threes, we, we have to get back in transition. We're gonna get we're gonna get belted with corner threes, pull up trailers. It's that is probably the worst thing LSU does defensively is get back in transition. We, they it doesn't even need to be after a turnover. Like after a made basket, you can run on this team. And if I was, if I was referral, that's what I'd tell them. I'd say. Every time they make a basket, just give the ball to KD Johnson and just let him go. And have Jabari Smith running the floor with them, Walker Kessler trailing. And that's that's I think that's what Auburn's gonna do. So on to the SEC as a whole though, what are what's kind of your thoughts as the conference as a whole, as well as, you know, who's who's caught your eye? Who's the surprise team that you think either positively or negatively, who's the surprise team for you so far and yeah. Um, surprise teams, I'd probably say Alabama negatively because some of these big guys that they brought in through either recruiting or transfers have not shaken out the way they wanted to be. They're not physical. They're not ready for this level of basketball, specifically Noah Gurley, the transfer from Furman. I mean, he just doesn't look ready for this brand of basketball. In the Memphis game, Jalen Dern was just bullying these guys around. They couldn't get a rebound. They couldn't keep him out of the paint. And there's too many teams in the SEC with capable bigs who are going to take advantage of them. Now, can they hit 60% of their threes in a game and beat anybody in the country? Absolutely. If they shoot 30% on their threes, is there a lot of teams in the country that could pummel them? Absolutely. And that's just not a great brand of basketball to bring around the country, especially in the SEC where there's going to be physical teams especially in the conference tournament. So that you're telling me to win a national championship, they're going to have to shoot over 50% on their three-pointers, six games in a row, seven games in a row, whatever, to win a national championship? That's not happening. Yeah, I I entirely agree with that assessment. They're, they, but I will say they, they have they have played a gauntlet. Oh, they have. And, and to me, they are good enough to beat anyone. But they're also in this weird category where I think they could they they could have a bad loss in SEC play. I could see a loss. Maybe they could lose to Texas A&M or yeah, Mississippi they, they State lose. by like a lot of points. Right. I, I could see something like that happening where uh, they they get blown out by a team where you maybe would not expect or Florida because I, I don't think Florida is very good. That's oh. that's my surprise team. Is I don't think Florida is very good. They're they're not that good. Um, the the fact that they were kind of ranked to start the year, it, I didn't I didn't really get it. They're 
They they just play really inconsistent, and the thing about them is they will always play to their competition. Like, oh, absolutely. In that sense, they will play to their competition for the most part, but I don't see the ceiling for them being as high as I did to come into the year. To me, right now, I'd say they're going to be a 9 or a 10 seed around there. I can see them not making the tournament as well. They're just way too inconsistent offensively. They can go through way too many droughts during a game. And you can't do that when you play good competition. And they lost, I mean, they lost to Texas Southern and are fighting Johnny Jones. And you that, that can't happen. Shout out Johnny Jones. They have a good team. I like their team. They play hard. They play defense. And that travels. And that travels to Gainesville. And they got a huge win. Uh, what was your surprise good team in SEC? Surprise good team, I would say... I got to go with A&M as well. Uh, I mean, I knew that was going to be more. Because they, they've kind of historically been a bottom dweller in the SEC in terms of basketball. That being said, it's really not a surprise that they have Buzz Williams. They're going to be a better team, you know, and... The thing is, though, they've had Buzz Williams now for what? What is this? His third. third I think it's his third season. Yeah, it's his third season. This is the first time it's coming to fruition. The uh, exactly. Buzz Williams style of basketball. Yes. So I've I've been very impressed with them, and I would actually, I'd actually say I think they're going to make the tournament over Florida. Florida doesn't make. It. I also think they're going to make the tournament. They just play great defense. They flock to the basketball. Yep. They run in transition. I mean, they have these trios of guards and. Uh, Radford, Quentin Jackson, and Marcus Williams, with uh, Williams coming in from Wyoming and Radford coming in from Virginia Tech, I believe. And they they constantly move an off yeah Virginia Tech. They constantly move an offense and defense. They're constantly sharing the ball. They're they're driving the ball to the hole, kicking it out. They're finishing at the rim. They're making their free throws, and they just play hard. And that's what we're used to with Buzz Williams teams that have been good in the past. They play really, really hard, and that's this team. And they also have uh, Henry Coleman, the transfer from Duke, I believe, and he's just providing a calming presence inside. A lot a lot of experience with him, even though he just played one year. Uh, one year at Duke, I mean, I value that a lot more than one year at other places. All right. They, <laughs> they also have two more – Two more non-con games to stack wins against, although Dallas Christian, that really shouldn't even count as a win. But then they play Central Arkansas, Scotty Pippen's alma mater. They start SEC play with pretty a pretty easy slate. Georgia, Arkansas, Mississippi, Missouri, Arkansas is going to be tough. They do hit a, big, a bit of a gauntlet with Kentucky, Arkansas, LSU. But they, they have a pretty easy conference schedule, to tell you the truth. Um... You know, they, it, they start strong, and I think it kind of carries them to it. They might they might even be a seven seed come March. I could see it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. And either their 9-2 could easily be 11-0. They got off to almost a 20-point, 15-point lead uh, versus Wisconsin down at the Maui Gym, mm-hmm. and then they went on to beat Butler and Notre Dame at that tournament. And then they lost to TCU in a neutral site game where – I mean, it was just a coin flip at the end. It came down some free throws and a couple shots. And they played really good that basketball. Game the, that game was in the Toyota Center, which, uh, yeah. by the way, public public service announcements to any 80s listening out there. We want more 
neutral games in the same state. Yes. That LSU, LSU La Tech game in Bossier City was a treat. We it was incredible. Yeah, we need more. I love those games. You wanna you wanna give it to the folks at home your all SEC team? Yeah, and two of the guys are one of the guys we already talked about. Obviously, Jabari Smith and Tari used to deserve to be on this list. I mean, just completely dominating. Jabari Smith's now at sixteen and a half points per game, seven rebounds, two or three assists per game. He's shooting forty six percent from three pointer, which is just absurd. He had a twenty two six and four game versus Syracuse. Not to mention, the kid plays really hard defense. Gives 100% effort all the time. Unbelievable. Tari Eason's on here as well. We already went through his list of accolades. Had that huge 20-9 game versus Penn State. Had 25-3 and three blocks versus Ohio. I mean, the kid's shooting 81% from the free throw line. I looked last year at Cincinnati. He shot 53% from the free throw line. I mean, he put in some work this offseason. Definitely did. Uh, third guy on the list, we have Oscar. To Shubi, help me out a little bit. I, I think it's Shuibe. Shuibe, Shuiboy. That sounds right. The guy, yeah. So, so you have you have my first three as well. Tari, Jabari, Smith, and Oscar Shuibe. Because uh, it's got to be Shuibe. It, 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 the, the guy is incredible. He's first in the nation in offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding efficiency. He's looking at. I didn't update this from last night, but before last night, he was at 16.3, 14.2 rebounds, and a blo- 1.7 blocks per game. That's unreal. Unreal, especially considering the competition they played this year. What about your guards? My guards have Kenny Chandler from Tennessee. You know, a team that struggled offensively this year, and he's been really doing it all. At 27 points in a road win at Colorado. Had 15-8-5 in that big win they had versus North Carolina. He's top five in the league in offensive rating, top five in assist percentage, playing really good perimeter defense. And then my other guard is Jaden Shackelford from Alabama. This kid, before the Davidson game, he had taken 88 threes in 10 games, 11 games, something like that. And then the next closest in the top 10 of percentage is 57. So he's taken 31 threes. 31 more threes than the next highest guy in his percentage bracket. He's shooting 42% from three this season. He had uh, six three-pointers and scored 28 points in a big, big road win, basically a road win against Gonzaga in the Battle of Seattle. Who are your two guards? My two guards, I, I also got Shackelford, and then I'm, I'm trying to decide between Adiz Tony out of Arkansas. I really like the way he plays, transfer from Pitt, but... I, I gotta go with my guy, San, Santiago Viscovo. Viscavi, yeah. Yeah, Viscavi. He is a bucket. And they, I mean, the guy's just a bucket. Right now, he is shooting. He is shooting a measly thirty-five percent from three. But when you factor in the fact that he's taking nearly eight threes a game, it's it's pretty damn impressive. He's averaging thirteen four and three offensively two steals a game the, the, the kid's a bucket he he's also a very smart player i've really i really enjoy watching him play and you know maybe maybe he doesn't get that first team all sec but i could easily see him getting a second team at least i agree and he's an experienced player he's played in a lot of big games last year for them he uh he came up through the nba latin america program where he played I mean, there's just some good basketball being played in those in the NBA Africa program, NBA Europe program. There's just a lot of good basketball being played in those. He's been playing basketball for a long time at a high level. 
Very savvy, very experienced, good player. He's got that lefty, those lefty, just weird angles and nice little lefty shot. He's awesome. Absolutely. Um, well, you can go over right now, maybe your top three for this year. I was actually going to give you my top five. Okay, go ahead. Because here's the thing about the SEC conference preview that I, I want to get on record now, and I want to say the SEC is the best conference in basketball this year. Absolutely. It's now. Now, do I think the Big 12's peak is maybe higher than the SEC's? I I, I do believe you could argue that. Uh, Gonzaga, I mean, not, not Jesus. Uh, it, you can tell it's some of Christmas. Baylor, Kansas at the top of your conference is extremely impressive. But the rest of the Big 12 doesn't really hold the candle to the SEC. The ACC's awful this year. Terrible. To be be blunt the big east doesn't have the big dogs a10 same deal then when you look at the pac 12 yeah usc's great oregon has taken a huge step back i have no idea what's happened to that program so you could argue maybe the pac 12 of usc and ucla their ceiling of con of teams in their conference is as high as sec's but in terms of top to bottom there is no conference like the sec this year in basketball so i'm going to give you my top five for them because there's five teams where I, I do believe they, they could make a serious tournament run. Number one right now, I have Auburn. Uh, I, Auburn, they they just have Jabari Smith, and at the end of the day, when you have a player of that caliber, he can take over. He can do certain things. Bruce Pearl's a hell of a coach. They have other guys to compliment him, like Katie Johnson, like Walker Kessler, even though we're not as big as Walker Kessler fans, but he's still... He's still, what, 6'11", 7 foot. Good player. Skilled. He's a good player. I have them at one. At two, at, earlier I had us, but I'm going to actually go Tennessee. That that win against Arizona is too big to really ignore. It's a very impressive win. Rick Barnes is a hell of a coach. Love Escobie. Fulkerson is finally coming to live now that he's old enough to rent a car. And, yeah, they just – they're a damn good team. Don't forget Kenny Chandler. Third, I have us. I have LSU. I, I do believe we are the third best team. Uh, I just we're, we're a really damn good team. Even though we're not as battle-tested as Bama, our defense is there. Bama, Bama's entire MO is whether they're hitting threes. Our entire MO is whether the other team is hitting threes. Yeah. It is it is the complete opposite of methods of operation for both of these teams. Then at the four seed, I do have Bama. Five, I'm going to go Kentucky. Kentucky, they're – don't get me wrong, they're good and they're still Kentucky. It's just everyone else has kind of stepped up, and Kentucky really isn't able to prey on the rest of the SEC and, and get those easy wins. And at six, I have Arkansas because that's six quality teams that are that if if you told me those they're all locks for the tournament. They're all locks. They're for all the locks for the tournament. And if you told me any of those six teams were in the lead eight, I believe you. If you told me any of those six teams were in the final four, I believe you. That's how good. That's how good the SEC is this year. I agree. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you're gonna have the same six because they're pretty clear. Uh, Pretty clear line between those six and the rest of the conference. I also have Arkansas at six. 
I just don't know what's going on in Arkansas, man. They, they don't have a brand of basketball they play right now. They play a lot of ISO ball. They brought in Chris Leakes from Miami to play point guard. He's very undersized, and it's a weird fit on this team. It's almost like he moves too fast for some of the other players, and he's almost like Eric Gaines, like, out of control, but all the time. And also, he's like 5'9". It's just a weird fit in the SEC. It's a weird fit on their team. Now, don't get me wrong. They still have great players. They still have J.D. Note, of course, and Williams down low, and they'll be just fine. And I mean, they'll find a way in the tournament pretty easily. At uh, number five, I have Alabama. I just think they're very, very good, and they have Jamon Quinterly and Jaden Shackelford, and that's going to keep you in a lot of games. But I think at the end of the day, whenever they play a team like Kentucky, I think Kentucky is going to beat them. I think – if you have any kind of physical dominant big men, they're going to be in trouble. They're going to have to hit a lot of three-point, like 60% of their three-pointers to stay just to stay in that game. Because if they play Kentucky, Tshwebwe is going to have 20 and 20 in his sleep. I mean, they get bullied down low. And so I have Kentucky at four. I have uh, Tennessee at three. I think when you come down to Tennessee and LSU, very similar teams, extremely similar teams. It might be first one to 65 wins that game, maybe less than that, maybe 60. You could be looking at a 25 to 23 halftime score maybe. I mean, it's going to be ugly because, especially if LSU doesn't turn the ball over because Tennessee's not going to turn the ball over that much. They're going to they're gonna have slow possessions. And both these teams just get into scoring droughts way too often. They don't really have an identity in the half court. They both like to, whenever they get in transition, to capitalize on those, give it to their athletic guards. But I think at the end of the day, LSU has more players that can put the ball in the bucket. I do like Viscavi, but if you put a player like Eric Gaines or Brandon Murray on that kid, I don't, I'm not, I like the LSU in that matchup. And I like Brandon Murray. I think as the season progresses, he's going to become more valuable offensively. He's going to get more aggressive. I think uh, Xavier ex Xavier Penson is a better offensive player that they than they have. They have a uh, Chandler, but other than that, I'm not confident on John Fulkerson scoring one on one on players in the SEC, especially on Tari Eason, on Tashibwe, on Kessler. That's that's tough matchups for them. So I think they are going to have some problems scoring, but they're going to play great defense. And then, so at two, I have LSU, and at one, I have Auburn. Auburn's just, right now, what they're showing is being elite on both sides of the floor. And they do have some spells where they don't play great defense. But I think as the season progresses, Bruce Pearl's too good of a coach, and they have way too much talent on this team that they'll get more consistent and more consistent as the year goes along. And they're always going to have the best player on the floor. And that counts for a lot. I, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. On to well, anything else you want to say about the SEC? Well, I highlighted the biggest win for each conference so far, and I think it's pretty obvious for the SEC. It's Bama's win at Gonzaga. Huge win. The, I mean, they're playing at the brand-new Climate Fledge Arena, which is just a hilarious name for an arena, first of all. But in Seattle, in Seattle, we had a friend there. He said, all Zaga fans. I mean, this is a brand-new hockey stadium. I'm not sure how many it holds, but it's a big stadium. All Zaga fans there, road environment. They came in, they hit a ton of three-pointers and got a huge win over the number one team in the country at the time. Now, Zaga's looking a little bit mortal right now, but still an incredible win. 
And then I highlighted a marquee game for each conference. And I think it's the first one. I think LSU at Auburn is the marquee game to watch for, at least in the first half of this SEC season. Uh, you're going to see what LSU is made of. And I think that's the biggest question mark going into the SEC right now is LSU, they're looking great, but they haven't really played anybody. And so I think we're going to learn a lot about LSU against what we think is going to be the best team in the conference. Quick, uh, quick player of the year, coach of the year for you. Player of the year, Jabari Smith. Coach of the year, I'm going to go with Buzz Williams. I like that. I like that. That's a good one. I, I actually am going to go with um, – I'm going to go with Bruce Pearl. Uh, they're going to they're gonna give it to him. This is the year where Bruce Pearl somehow figures out a way to get back on everyone's good graces. I don't, I don't know how, but he's going to do it. We'll see about that. All right. Should we move into the NBC? I was going to say Ohio Valley Conference, but NBC is fine with me. All right, let's start the NBC. The all-conference team and my player of the year right now in the NBC, it's going to be Gage Prem. At Missouri State, the six foot nine senior is just a menace offensively right now and on the boards. 16.2 points per game, 8.9 rebounds per game, 59% from the field, 78% from the free throw line. He's got the number one offensive rating in the conference, the number one offensive rebounding rating, the number two defensive rebounding rating, and he's number one in the conference in fouls drawn. And when you're drawing the most fouls in the league while shooting 78%, that's going to be successful basketball. He had a big 28-15 and 15 game at SEMO, had a big 27-12 and 12 game at Illinois State, and a uh, big 2010 double-double and a win at George Washington. And he's just been the most dominant offensive player in the uh, conference by a mile, in my eyes. And where, and where does he go to school? He goes to Missouri State. Okay. He goes to Missouri State. All right, so Gage Prims, your, your MVC player of the year as well as first team all MVC. Yeah. Uh, second, I have Antonio Reeves from Illinois State, six foot six junior. Averaging almost 21 points per game. Plus four assists. He's shooting 47% from the three-pointer. It's pretty unreal. He's top five in offensive rating, top five in three-point percentage. And he's taking 32 of his team's shots. So he's on a high, high usage rate while being efficient. Had 32 points in a loss at Eastern Michigan. Had 28 in a dub against Chicago State and 29 and six in a dub against Wilmington. So I know I started with two offensive players, but, man, these guys have been really lighting it up. Mine, mine is only going to be offensive player. <laughs> I can tell you that. that the MVC has some great offensive players. It really does. And the number, my third one is another incredible offensive player and the preseason player of the year from the media, and that's uh, A.J. Green, the junior from Northern Iowa. I mean, the kid can just fill it up. Almost 19 points a game. Go along with four rebounds, two assists, 40% from three-pointer. Yeah, he only shoots. He only shoots three-pointers. 40% when you're only shooting three-pointers. He's taking 33% of his team shots. I mean, 85% from the free throw line. He had 35, five, and four, and a road win over St. Bonnie's. And then he had 30 and it lost to Bradley. But the kid just fills it up. I mean, he's a bucket. Speaking of Bradley, my next player is Terry Roberts. And I wanted to include this conference today because Terry Roberts might be one of my favorite players in the country. This kid transfers in from junior college this year. And to a, I mean, Bradley is a, 
they have some good years, but man, the last couple of years they've been struggling. This team specifically does not have a lot of offensive talent. And he's come in from junior college, and he has taken this team by the reins. I mean, he's averaging over 15 points a game, 3.5 rebounds, 4 assists, shooting 50% from the field. He's top 10 in the conference in offensive rating, and he's got the third highest usage percent in the conference. First in assist rating, second in steal percentage. I mean, coming straight from junior college for two years, he played junior college two years, coming in as a junior now. The kid's unreal. He had 24 and 6 in a close, close loss to Colorado State, where he really drugged them down the stretch. And we all know Colorado State's a great team and has way more talent than this Bradley team. And he was just carrying them that game. Had 20 point win and a uh, win, 20 points and a win over Northern Iowa, which was a conference game they played like two weeks ago for some random reason. And then they had a uh, he had 21 points and a loss to Toledo. But I really just wanted to highlight this kid because he's taking a step, uh, step up and level of play in basketball from junior college to D- high this is high level D1 basketball and the kid hasn't skipped a beat yeah yeah could very good player and uh can you look up what he did last night because last or the last two games honestly they've been playing in this tournament Bradley have and he's been playing very very well in that tournament as well yeah let me go back a few times I just had him pulled up uh, while you're doing that, I'll go over my fifth player, and it's Isaiah Mosey from Missouri State, the six foot five junior. He's over 17 points a game, five rebounds a game, couple of assists, 42% from three-pointer. He's shooting 95% from the line. He's also got a top five offensive rating, and he's pairing with uh, Gage Prim to just form a juggernaut of offensive team at Missouri State. They're scoring a lot of points, and they're going to be a force to reckon with in this conference. And uh, speaking of a lot of points, last night, Terry Roberts, 26 points on 50% from three, 47% from the field. And he also added 11 rebounds, three assists, and three blocks. Really just stuffed the stat sheet. Yeah, what about the, what about the game before? I think they played the night prior as well. They, they played uh, Sam Houston State, and you were correct. They did play one night prior. He had 23 points, five rebounds, two assists, uh, shot Shot 63% from the field and 100% from free throw line. I mean, just unreal. And they were uh, they were slight favorites or slight dog in both those games. So they were just both, both expected to be close games. And, I mean, they blew them both out, right? Yeah. No, they, they, they did. Um, Great player. I love Terry Roberts. He is. he is. So I am going very guard-centric on my team. Uh, oh, yeah. That was, that was the number one rule when I was making these all-conference teams. Don't care what position you play. Don't care what position you play. And then I also don't care what the media is. Pre- like, I don't care if you're supposed to be good. Like, Terry Roberts was obviously not anywhere near anybody's all-conference team at the beginning of the year. But I don't care. He deserves a spotlight. Yeah, I – Terry Roberts is, is one of is one of mine as well. So, I will I will be prim. Um, the guy – I mean, he's – He's first in the conference in rebounds. The guy can score the ball. He blocks shots. What is there to say about Gage Prem? He's a hell of a player. And this Missouri State team is is very good. They're eight and five overall. They are in one of the conference, but I I wouldn't really be that shocked if they if they make a make a tournament run in the MVC and potentially 
qualify for the tournament. Also, shout out Colorado, Gage Prims from Aurora. So he's one of my brethren now, actually. My my second pick for all conference team, and this got this this isn't really my pick as much as it is a prediction that the media is gonna do this. Loyola Chicago is gonna make the tournament, obviously, and you can't have a team make the tournament or be potentially the best team in the conference and not have someone on the all-conference team. So give me Lucas Williams, Williamson. Um, Lucas Williamson's been with that team for a few years now. He's a good player. But ultimately, it's more of just if, if you're going to – if you're going to be – if you're going to be as good as they are, you got to figure they're going to – Give someone the nod. He he's averaging nearly 12 points a game, five rebounds, three assists, shooting 45% from the field, and he's been with the team the longest. He was on that Final Four team. I, I believe he might have been the one who hit the big shot against. I think he was. Yeah. I could easily see him winding up on this first team. Then after that, I have. Lance Jones, who is first in the conference in steals, he is an absolute defensive menace. I love, I love guys who just pick up someone full court, and he's definitely that kind of player. He's he's from Evanston, Illinois. Like all Illinois guards, he's gonna pick you up ninety feet. He's gonna get in your nose. Fifteen points a game, averaging nearly two steals a game. At my other guard spot, I have Antonio Reeves. You touched on it earlier. He can just put the ball in the bucket, and ultimately, that's that's a large part of being, of being, you know, as uh, on all conference team. He can fill it up on any given night. And lastly, I have Terry Roberts for all the reasons you said. Terry Roberts also plays great defense, and second steal percentage. Yeah, he's actually going to be my prediction for for. For player of the year is going to be Terry Roberts. That would be an incredible story. I'd love to see it. And my coach of the year is going to be the Loyola Chicago coach because he's taking over for Porter Moser. He's having a great year. He's going to have a make the tournament, and he's going to be the coach of the year. I I agree with that. He's he's going to be the coach of the year for sure. Uh, the biggest win for this conference so far has been Northern Iowa on the road at St. Bonnie's. Huge win. They scored over ninety points. AJ Green was incredible. And then for my marquee matchup for this uh, conference, it's going to be Drake at Missouri State on January 5th because Drake and Loyola Chicago are supposed to run this conference, and I think Missouri State's going to have a lot to say about that, a lot to say about that. Also, I, I have a slight objection. I think the biggest win for the conference is Loyola Chicago against DePaul. It's also a great win. Uh, also, can, we t- can we take a moment to, to say that Loyola Chicago played the DePaul Blue Demons? That is that is pretty special. Yeah, I'm sad about DePaul right now. I don't want to talk about it. One of my favorite That's teams fair. in the country, and they've had to forfeit their first two conference games. It's just not fair. Yeah, it isn't fair, but uh, uh, we will not talk about that. And then uh, I actually do think Loyola Chicago wins this conference. I know I didn't have any of their players on the all-conference team, but I think that's the beauty of their basketball team. They don't have to have anyone be incredible. They have five, six, seven guys. It doesn't matter who's on the court really for them. They play the same brand of basketball. They share the basketball as a team. They play team defense. They rebound as a team. And you're right. The coach is a great coach. They haven't skipped a beat with the coaching change. Williamson's providing great leadership. 
And uh, Norris, the guard, has hit some huge three-pointers this year, specifically in that game against Vanderbilt. He was awesome. And I think they're going to win the conference. And then is it's – yeah. Is this a one-bid league or is this a two-bid league? I think this is a two-bid league because second I'm going to have Missouri State and then in third I'm going to have Drake. And as one of the biggest Drake supporters of the last year, man, I am disappointed by how Drake is playing this year. Bringing back most of their contributors looks like a completely different team. They don't they don't have the same energy to them. They don't put the ball in the bucket at the same. And I think they're going to come in third this year. And I think Will Chicago and Missouri State can make this uh, tournament. So here's my hot take. I think Missouri State misses the tournament because Illinois State goes on a run in the tournament and they, they steal the bid. And Loyola Chicago is the second team and they get the bid. Because you can't have three bids from the Missouri Valley Conference. If it, if you and I were on the committee, we, we might have four or five bids from the Missouri. No, and I think I think Missouri State would have to win the uh, the tournament as well. I they're not going to have the amount of non-conference, and they've already lost some games that are not going to look well on their um, on their resume. So yeah, but I think but I think they have offensive firepower over the over the course of a four or five day tournament, they can win their conference tournament. I would right now. I'd go Loyola Chicago one. Missouri State 2, Illinois State 3, Drake 4. But I do think anytime you have the kind of player that Antonio Reeves is, you can make a tournament run. And that's what I foresee happening is Antonio Reeves just catches fire. He, he leads them all the way, and they win the Missouri Valley Conference tournament, and they sneak into the NCAA tournament. All right. Anything well, else before we hit uh, the next one? No, that's all I got for that conference. All right, you wanna you wanna jump to uh, the Ohio Valley Conference while we're out here while we're out over here in the Midwest? Yes, the Ohio Valley Conference. It's, this might be one of their better years as a conference. I mean, some great teams in this conference, and uh, one of the best teams has to be Belmont. I have two Belmont players on this team. The first is Nick Mazinski, the big man for them. Good. He's just awesome. 16.8 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists, shooting almost 60% from the field, almost 80% from the free throw line. Tops the league in offensive rating. Top 10 in assist percentage for a center. Top, He's the top uh, player in the conference for foul strong and fifth in free throw percentage. I mean, all those combined to him scoring a lot of points and uh, playing winning basketball for this team. Had a big 23-5 and game and a close loss to Dayton. Had 25-6 and against Kennesaw and had an 18-12 game and a, a nice non-conference win against Furman. Yeah, I like it. And my other Belmont player is going to be Ben Shepard, who has really burst on the scene this year. He's a great shooter. 16.1 per game, 3.5 rebounds and 1.7 assists, shooting 50% from the field, 40% from three. He's top 10 in the league, offensive rating, effective shooting percentage, and true shooting percentage, and he's second lowest in the league in turnover percentage. Not making bad passes, keeping the ball in the hands of his teammates, making good decisions with the basketball. He's a great player. I love his stroke. Even the game against uh, LSU, whenever I watched him play against LSU, I was impressed with him, his movement off the ball, the way he distributes the basketball, his movement on, in transition where he gets in the right spaces for – to receive passes and shoot threes. Awesome player. He's had 25-point games this year against Iona, Ohio, and Chattanooga. Really good player. And they, they won that Iona game. That's going to be huge on their uh, resume, I think, at the end of the year. I like it. 
my center for this team, or I guess my power forward for this team, is going to be Johnny Broom from Warhead State. Former, Absolutely, you have to have Johnny Broom. Yeah, he's a freshman for a uh, three-star recruit. I don't know if really people expect him to be this good right away. He's uh he's averaging a double double along with two point three blocks and shooting sixty percent from the field. He's second in the league in offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding, first in block percentage. I mean he's just providing a huge presence down low for this team. Twenty four thirteen and five game and a loss against ETSU. He had twenty two and twelve in a loss against Xavier, and he had a twenty nine and six block game against Arkansas State. Just a presence so down he, low. So he played he played last year. Um, and they used the COVID year on him, so he's still a freshman. Oh. Last year, he was all OBC tourney, all OBC, OBC rookie of the year, and then OBC tourney MVP. So, I mean, jo- Johnny Broom's kind of a lock for this team, in my opinion, and he's also on my team. This makes a lot more sense now. I was, I, I honestly did not know much about him last year. Didn't follow Moorhead that closely team I did follow is Murray State, and Tevin Brown has to be on this team. <laughs> the kid can just get buckets. Almost 20 points a game, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, 50% from the field, 45% from 3-pointer. He's first in the league in effective shooting, second in true shooting percentage. The kid can just absolutely fill it up. He had 33 points against Charlotte, 29 against Bellarmine, a huge 22-7-4 game in that big win they had against Memphis. I, mean, I don't know what else you say about Tevin Brown. I mean, the kid can just absolutely fill it up. And then my other player is also a player from Murray State because they've just played really good basketball this year, and it's K.J. Williams, their forward. He's averaging 17-7 and seven this year, 60% from the field, top 10 offensive rating, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, and block percentage. Had 29 points, 4-6 from 3, and a win against Long Beach State, 18-12 against Middle Tennessee. And the kid is just, I mean, these combination of players for this Murray State team can take them to the top of the conference if they want to be there. And, I mean, you watch that game against Memphis. They're, they're just a good basketball team. They play with intensity. They have athleticism, a lot of athleticism for a mid-major team, and a lot of scoring ability. They do. They do. Um, all right, I'll, I will go... I'm trying not to stack to stack it up Murray State and, and Belmont players. It's, it's hard. Not not to do it. But I'm I'm going to. And for my first player, I'm going with Rayshon Taylor from is it is this Southern Indian? No, this is is this Southern Illinois University Evansville? Uh Edwards S I U E. Yeah, SIU Edwardsville. He he has just filled it up this year, averaging seventeen and a half a game on thirty six percent from downtown, fifty one percent from two point and you know, nearly eighty percent from the from the free throw line. He's pretty much the only reason that you should ever watch an SIU Edwardsville game. And still even then I don't I don't know if you should watch uh, Edwardsville. I, I, you know, and that's coming from Ben who will watch the depths of hell play college basketball. So after that though, it's it's gonna get very Murray Statey up in here because I love Murray State and Murray State would probably if I was just picking teams right now, Murray State would be my surprise sweet sixteen team for you because I love the way they play and I exceptionally love their two guards 
And I did say two guards because the other guard that's going to be on my list is Justice Hill. And that is not the running back from the Baltimore Ravens. It is the guard who transferred from Arkansas, Justice Hill. He... He's a savage. What what else is there to say? He plays with his hair on fire. He is the kind of player that I just love, and he hit some huge threes in that win against Memphis. I see him continuing to hit big threes because the kid's shooting nearly 44% from three this year with 75 from the line, and he's just been a bucket, averaging 12 a game. And he's averaging 1.2 steals a game with 4.6 assists. He causes absolute havoc. Second player for Murray State has to be Tevin Brown. And Tevin Brown will be my player of the year. And he probably will be the player of the year. Because Tevin Brown is is a menace. There's nothing else to say about him. He can get buckets on anyone in the country. And if Murray State does go on a surprise run, look out for Tevin Brown. And I would not be surprised if Tevin Brown gets drafted in the second round next year. That's that's how much of a bucket this kid is. I agree with you. The Belmont big, Nick Nick Mazinski, he's he's awesome. He's very good at basketball. I loved it. I was very impressed with him at the LSU game. He's going to continue to dominate the OVC. And lastly, I also have Johnny Broom, who's, who's just really, really been fun to watch play this year. Averaging 15 and 10 this year. You know, three blocks a game. It's huge. <laughs> the the kid's kid, a freak. Kid stud. He's 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 awesome. So I, I have I have him also on the all conference team. In terms of coach of the year, give me the Murray State coach. I'll give you another guy's name, but he's got to be your coach of the year. Oh, my coach of the year is gonna be Casey Alexander, the coach of Belmont. Uh, because I think Belmont's gonna end up winning this conference. Really? Yeah, I think Belmont's going to win this conference. I think they, you know, I love Murray State. I think at times they can get a little icy. Yeah, I was saying how I think Belmont's going to win this conference. I think they play more team basketball. I like the surrounding pieces and uh, pieces in Will Richard and Grayson Murphy. And I just think at the end of the day they're going to get it done. And they have the, I think they have the best coach in Casey Alexander. And yeah, I think they get it done. Well, he's got a great name, so doesn't. <laughs> but I, I do have Murray State in second, and I have Morehead State in third. I I have Murray State first, Belmont second, Morehead third, um, and I I think I think for once the o, OBC is actually going to be a two bid league. This is usually a hard one bid league, and it sucks because they always have great teams. Two, they always have two solid teams in Murray and Belmont, but this year. I think both of them have enough in their non-conference so far to start building a good resume. They do. They they definitely do. Um, I think that win over Iona that Belmont had is going to look huge at the end of the year, and then I think Memphis will end up playing a lot better and getting themselves in the tourney. I think Murray State is going to have that big win on their resume. Yep. Can they? Yeah, so my marquee matchup is January 15th, Casey. It's going to be Murray State at Belmont. It's must-watch television. That is must-watch television. Sorry, sorry, Mom. I can't take out the trash. I'm watching Belmont Murray. Incredible. You want to preview? We're going to do the Mountain West. Ah, yes. I was helping on the Mountain West because this, this conference, the three best players in this conference, you can put up 
to the best three players in any conference in the country. And those players are going to be David Roddy from Colorado State. This kid is unreal. Top five in the nation in offensive rating. Top 15 in the nation in effective field goal and true shooting percentage. This kid's dropping 21, 7.7, and 3 a game on 60% from the field. 50% from three. Unreal. 27 in a win versus Northeastern. He had 20 in a win versus Mississippi State where he controlled the game down the stretch. 20 in a W versus St. Mary's and Colorado State's undefeated so far. Kid is just a force. Big body. Nearly 66% efficient field goal percentage. That's crazy. He's a big body. He's skilled. He can shoot the ball. He knows his way around the rim. And he's the leader of that team. Uh... Second has to be Justin Bean. I mean, I love Justin Bean. The sixth. Justin, Justin Bean currently this year is shooting 17 of 29 from three. Uh, that's 58%. He just, and he is 6'7". Uh, Justin yeah. Bean's going to be on an NBA roster next year, folks. He does not take bad shots. He only takes good shots, and he makes his good shots. He's top 20 in the nation in effective field goal and true shooting percentage. Has a 137.6 offensive rating. That's off the charts. Now, I will say that's it's not as impressive as it sounds just because he doesn't take as many shots as some of these other great players in the country. His effect, his usage rate is a little low for a player with huge offensive ratings. But that does speak to the kind of player he is. He doesn't take bad shots. He trusts his teammate. He passes the ball to get the ball back. Things like that. He's a great player. Yeah, uh, I had his three-pointers listed on here. He's averaging 20-11 per game, 24 in a win versus uh, Oklahoma, 33 in a win versus Penn. Kids unreal. Uh, now, next player is one of my favorite players in the country this year, and that's Hunter Maldonado. And that's just – I just love him because of the way he carries himself and he carries his team. He's – the leader of this team, every single game that's close at the end of the game, the only thing they do is clear out for 100 Maldonado on the block, and they get his teammate on the other dunker spot, or his teammates on the EK is usually their big guy who they get on the other dunker spot, and then they get the other three guys on the perimeter, and he always makes the right decision. If they don't double him, he finds a way to score into the basket. He's six foot seven, but he has so much size on the guy that is guard. Even if it's a taller guy guarding him, he gets to the rim at ease. He he throws it out to his teammates. If they double, he hits EK in the dunker spot. He's unreal. He's uh he's at 17, 5.5 and five a game this season, shooting 52 percent, 24 in a W versus Washington, and he's top 10 in the conference in offensive rating and assist percentage. Just uh one of my favorite players in the country, and it's it's because of his leadership and the way he carries himself down the stretch of ball games. Uh, my next player is gonna be Orlando Robinson, the big man from Fresno State. He's looking at 18-8 and eight this year on 53%. 80% from the free throw line, which I appreciate out of a big man. He's top 10 in offense and defensive rebounding percentage. He's third in block percentage. Had a monster 25-9, 4-4 block game at uh, Cal, which they ended up losing. And then he had a monster 28-22-8 game with four blocks and a W versus Santa Clara, who we all know is one of the best uh, mid-majors this season. And the kid's just a monster. I want to say he had a very good game uh, last night or the night before as well. Uh, and then my last player is going to be Grant Sherfield on a disappointing so far Nevada team. A Nevada team who is supposed to be one of the best teams in this conference. And I don't know. They just 
Grant Sherfield's doing his job, is my point. He's almost at 20 points a game with 5.1 rebounds and 6.8 assists. Six foot two guard. I mean, he's just carrying the team offensively. His usage rate is insane. And he's not the problem at Nevada. It's it's the rest of his team. And yeah, those are my five players for the Mountain West. I love it. I I, I also have David Roddy's my, also, my player of the year, obviously, yeah. but Yes. He's uh, one of the I best players have, in the country. I also have David Roddy. I have Justin Bean as well. What is was there to say about the guy? He he puts the ball in the bucket. He can score from anywhere on the court. As white as white gets. Yes, yes, he is an exceptionally white basketball player. Um, I'm also gonna throw out John Tanya from uh, Colorado State. Yep. He's shooting nearly sixty percent from three this year, sixteen to twenty-seven. And if you can shoot threes, I want you on my team. But I'm I'm gonna show Wyoming some love. Uh, this well, I mean, has, might... uh, yeah, they have other players that deserve mentions for sure. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Graham Ike and Hunter Maldonado for my for my last two players for the for the All Mountain West team. And in terms of top to bottom strength, it's it's really weird looking at this conference and not saying San Diego State's one. Because San Diego State pretty much has run this conference this whole entire time, especially under Steve Fisher. But I'm going to go Colorado State 1. Um, give me Colorado State 1. And I'm not even going to go San Diego State at 2. I'm going to go Wyoming at 2, San Diego State 3, and Utah State 4. Utah State, I, I just feel that when they play more athletic teams, they do tend to crumble. And I that's what San Diego State's gonna do to them in my opinion. And yeah. It, how many bids do you how many bids you see in this league? Hmm. Uh, Colorado State has the resume, even if they don't win the tournament, to make it. So I'll go with Man, I think I'm just gonna go with two, honestly. I think Wyoming is going to get in. I think Colorado State's going to get in. I love this Wyoming team, and I'm so glad you mentioned Graham E.K. because uh, in the game versus Stanford last night, I was on the edge of my seat. I mean, obviously I had Wyoming plus a point and a half, and it was a great game down the end. Hunter Malinado was doing his thing where I was describing on the block. E.K.'s in the dunker spot at the end of the game, and they just couldn't put a bucket in at the end of the tie. But E.K. had 25-11. and 11. He was just dominating against that Stanford team. And Stanford's big, oh, what is, Stanford's big was getting absolutely bullied by this kid. Graham E.K. is a monster in the post. Their big is, uh, or no, Jones, Jones, the white kid, Jones. He was just bullying them. I mean, he was unreal. He was all over the place. And, yeah, the game came down right to the end. But I'm glad you mentioned Graham E.K. And my my top four is the same top four that you have. I think think you're right. I think Utah State is going to run into that, some athleticism problems. But, man, they can shoot the ball. But Colorado State's going to play their style of play better than they are. Absolutely. And I think Wyoming – is going to really slow them down. If it, well, I mean, the thing we didn't mention about Maldonado or Ike either, they both play great defense, especially Maldonado. Maldonado is going to take your best player out of the game. The kid's unreal. And 
one of my favorite players in country, but yeah, I have the same top four. The biggest win for this conference so far was Colorado State's just absolute drubbing of Creighton, who Creighton got the big win against Villanova there night, but they beat him by 15 points on the road. And then my marquee game of the season is actually going to be Utah State at Colorado State, January 12th, just because I think that's just going to be an incredibly interesting game. The, the way that you say Colorado State's going to play the same game as them, I think that's true. And Utah State could shoot their way in that game. They could shoot their way into any game in this conference, which is gonna, always going to be exciting basketball. Reed, well, you want to you wanna give the folks our fraud team of the week? Make yes. Sure jump to our game. Absolutely. Would you like to go first? My fraud team of the week, and it's not even—it's not even a fraud team in the sense that I think people went into this year thinking they're a good team. It's a fraud program, and it's a fraud coach. It's Virginia, I, I Virginia, this whole. We don't score the basketball. We play great defense, you know, pack line. I, I love that. I love pack line defense. It's a good strategy. It's a really good strategy in college basketball where people aren't as good of three-point shooting teams as they are in the NBA. But at some point, you have to score the fucking ball. You, you, you can't win every game 49-37. to 37. You look at you look at the teams in the SEC, and Tennessee's number two in defensive efficiency. LSU's number one in off in defensive efficiency. But the way they play defense and the way Virginia plays defense are wildly different. Virginia plays defense to prevent you from scoring. LSU play LSU and Tennessee play defense to turn you over and to score themselves. And being a great defensive team is awesome. But if you're not if you're not turning that into offense, then what the hell's the point? You're just playing rock fights the whole time. And at some point, playing rock fights is going to catch up to you. And I think it has. And with their academic requirements, they can't really recruit the way other teams in the ACC can. You know, I get it. North Carolina and Duke are also awesome athletic programs. But it's easier to sell them on the brands of Duke, whether you're Coach K or the brands of North Carolina, you know, just with everything that North Carolina means in the basketball community and then North Carolina State you're going to be dropping bags left and right I, I I mean look Tony Bennett's still a damn good coach I don't want I don't want anything crazy on the first episode Tony Tony Bennett's awesome but they they have hit a serious wall and a serious ceiling for them as a program as a whole so Virginia's my fraud team and honestly if I was a Virginia fan I'd be pretty concerned with us as a basketball program as a whole I agree with that, and I think you're right. I don't think a lot of people thought a ton of things about Virginia coming in the year, but I think the majority of people expected them to be a tournament team and to win the games they're supposed to, and man, when you can't get to 60 points in a game, you're not going to win a lot of games. Even if you play great, I don't care if you play great defense. That goes for any team in the country. If you can't reach 60 points, you're not going to win a lot of games. Yeah, and... Just for some context, in adjusted offense, they are 108, which which really isn't which really isn't that bad. That's where they are in the rankings. But um, in adjusted defense, they're 54. So the thing that they're the thing that they were known for, they're not 
really even doing that well anymore. Um, they're 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 a fine team, but they're seven and five right now. They've lost to Clemson, they lost to James Madison, they lost to Iowa, they lost to Navy, they lost to Houston. You know, they're not. And, and when they play a team like Georgia, they beat them 65-55. Georgia's not a good team at all. No, you should be beating Georgia by 20 yeah. points. Georgia Georgia lost to 65 points. Georgia lost to East Tennessee State last night. Oh yeah. I mean Georgia's not a good program either. It's just no. So who's your fraud team? I'm curious because I know you've been you've been sitting on this for some time. My fraud team is the 16th ranked team in the country and that's the Texas Longhorns. And uh, and this is a team I was very high on at the beginning of the season. Very, very high on they. They got one of my favorite transfers in the country in Trey Mitchell from UMass. And man, the first couple games I watched, I was just like, I'm not. I was. I don't think I'm wrong on this kid, but he just doesn't. He needs to stay in mid-major basketball, and he's just not. It's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And he has been playing a lot. I was. I'm referencing whenever I watched him playing the Gonzaga game. I mean. Their bigs are extremely good, and they they dominated him. But and he has been playing a lot better since. He's actually been one of their better players this year. But man, oh, that's saying something. Like he shouldn't be one of the better players on this team when you have Andrew Jones and Marcus Carr. Marcus Carr has been absolutely abysmal. Marcus Carr is horrible. He's been absolutely abysmal. How is he worse than what he played? I mean, way worse than what he played at Minnesota. He's shooting thirty eight percent, seventy three percent from the line, thirty percent from three. I mean. They have the I, I get it. They're they're nine and two. They're sixteen twenty. Their only losses have been the two ranked teams, two really good, two top twenty five teams in my opinion, in Seton Hall and Gonzaga. But outside of that, they've played nobody. Their strength of schedule was three hundred and forty. That's awful. Their best their best win this year is probably Stanford. And Stanford is Awful, Stanford. San State. I I value San Jose State more than I value Stanford. They haven't. The only time they've left their building, they lost both games. They didn't play. Seton Hall didn't blow them out of the water. Seton Hall barely played well either, and they just they laid a turd at Seton Hall. They laid a turd at Gonzaga. They were down twenty points in the first half. I mean, it's terrible. Their three point percentage is one hundred twenty first in the nation. I mean, you're not gonna win. Power five basketball games, shooting thirty four percent from three as the team, it's absolutely terrible. And uh, I don't think they're going to win a lot of games in this Big Twelve. I think what we have Kansas, who's a better team. Texas Tech, I think, is a better team at this. Uh, Baylor, obviously, I think they could find themselves in the middle of the Big Twelve pretty easily. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised they're still ranked where they are. I agree. They scored 68 points against Alabama State. How are you not scoring 80 to 90 points against Alabama State at home? I mean, and I get it. They've been playing good defense, but this is my problem with Tennessee as well. They have these great Kimpom ratings in, like, their defense, but I don't care if you hold Cal Baptist to 44 points. Like, I get that that does great for your numbers, but I don't care if you held – Alabama State to 48 points. I mean, the two games they played against real teams, they got scored 86 points to 65 points on, and 
I think that's who they actually are, and they're going to have to win rock fights this year. Because they can't shoot the ball, especially from the outside. Yeah, yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more with that. Uh, anyways, any any last thoughts before we jump into our game? No, I think that's all I got. I'm ready for the game. All right, Ben and I are gonna have a little friendly competition where we draft six Final Four teams, and there will be points assigned to them based off of. First round, uh, based off of Final Four win, Final Four, like if, if they make it to the Final Four, mm-hmm. and then if they win the championship. So, each so what we're gonna do what one point, one, and then three if you get the champion. Four. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'll let you go first. All right, I'll I'll go first, and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Baylor. I. It, Baylor, everything that I just said about Virginia as a defensive team is the complete opposite of Baylor and their their version of a defensive team. Baylor is the kind of defensive team that you don't want to face. You know, like, it's... To, to me, there's a difference between good defense because they're all over me and I can't think straight and... Good defense, as in what Virginia plays, which is just good fundamental defense. And there's something wrong. Being in the right spot at all times, stuff like that. Baylor is the suffocating defense. Yeah, Baylor is the suffocating defense that, you know, you and I get AAU nightmares about. uh, You know, diamond one press shoe, one three one trap. You know, man to man, full court. They they are that team. You know, they are that guy. Uh, And Scott Drew. He's a good coach. He's a damn great good coach. coach. And and he's he's replenished. The fact that any, what did they have any Louisiana guys this year? Because I I know he's a great question. Well. Yeah, they lost Vito last year, and they lost uh, yeah they lost Jared uh, Butler. No, but he loves he loves going to that. Uh, Baylor well. Baylor's also my number one team in the country. I mean, the talent the amount of talent they lost. To be playing this level of basketball again is incredible. And I know they have good recruiting classes, and they have one of the best coaches in the country, and they got a great transfer in Akinjo. But, man, I did not see this level of basketball this quickly coming. I thought that they would round into this maybe at the end of the year, but they played Villanova at home, and they absolutely destroyed them. Yeah, and they have James Akinjo playing. like The best basketball of his life. That you and I watched when he was a prospect coming out of high school mm-hmm. we were excited for him to join with Mac McClung at uh, Georgetown. But, yep. yeah, no, he's he's playing with his hair on fire offensively and defensively. So, Baylor's my, my first selection. And I'm keeping this on the spreadsheet, by the way. All right. So. Do I get two or are we doing snake? Yeah, why not? What the hell? All right. Just make it a little bit quicker. So, give me Purdue and give me Auburn. Yep. Two teams that I think can score with anyone in the country. And I think – that's important in some of these tournament games because you're going to have to score a lot of points to beat some teams. And on one hand, I am worried about Purdue's defense, but I think it will get better by the end of the season. They have incredible athletes. They have a seven-foot-three center in Zach Eady. I think they're going to learn to – I think they're going to learn to show up and guard in the inside more and just let teams shoot threes. And – I mean, they're one of the best offensive teams in the country. And then we we already talked about Auburn. I think Jabari Smith, by the end of the year, is going to be one of the best players in the country. And 
if you had the best player on the floor, you're going to be looking good. Yep. Well, speaking of best players on the floor, um, give me Gonzaga and give me Duke. Um, I, Drew Timmy is – he wants to be Christian Leitner is basically what it boils down to. He really wants to be the bad guy, which I admire. I, I think he's a hell of a player. And I, I, he, I see no reason where he doesn't make a serious tournament run, especially since the WCC is better this year. <coughs> I think that's going to work to his advantage, playing against good competition down the stretch of the season, down crunch time. And on Duke's front, Paulo. What's 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 there to say about Paulo? I like Keels a lot as well. Yeah, I, and I'll say this about Gonzaga. I, I do think Chad Palmer is just he's the guy impresses me every time I watch him. I don't I don't really buy into the he's too slim, he's too slender. There's plenty of the, that'll come into play in the NBA, but I mean. He's plenty talented really enough to play about, college basketball. I'm not really worried about that for college basketball, and I think he's going to have a great season as well. So those are my those are my next two. All right. I'm going to go with Ohio State for one. Uh, man, I just think they can play really good defense. And the Big Ten, the Big Ten is not getting a single team. I don't know, man. I think Ohio State can – I mean, they already beat Duke, and they did it the way I thought they would. They played great defense. They have one of the best players in the country in Liddell, and I think that they're an incredibly clutch team and incredibly physical team. And I do – I think they can knock off anyone in the country. And that's They just – they're a team that I see as a five, four seed, three seed who just makes a really good run. And then I'm struggling with this other team, but – I think I'm gonna have to stick with my Arizona Wildcats even after that game last night, cause I know it, it really boils down to they got down so much to start the game. The you know they played that road game at Illinois and I thought they were gonna be ready for the hostile environment, but apparently Rocky Top was just a different environment than Champaign and they just got blasted early. They got down 15 points early, but. Just like the Illinois game, they came back. They were right there in the last couple minutes, and I just think they're incredibly talented offensively. I think Matherin is going to end up being one of the best players in the country, the Canadian guard. And then uh, their point guard, Karius. Karius, I don't know what he wants to be called. One of those is very good. They have versatile forwards. They have a great big man. I am kind of worried about their, uh, their defense whenever they start playing elite offensive teams. They played Illinois, and Illinois shot the ball really well from three. And that, like, lowered their defensive ratings. But I think Illinois was just shooting lights out that game, and I think they'll be just fine. And they're going to ravage the Pac-12. They're going to be a two two or a one seed because they're going to just rack up a ton of Pac-12 wins. So why, why them over USC, then? Better guard play, more dynamic guard play. I mean, USC's best guard is Drew Peterson, and uh, Boogie. Well, they got Boogie Ellis also the transfer, and he's he's really good. But 
I just haven't seen enough from him yet to convince me that in a tournament game he's going to take over at the end. And, of course, they have Isaiah Mobley as well, but I just like areas in the guards a lot more. And they play together as a team. And as much as I love um, – what's the USC's coach? Andy Ingold. Andy Enfield. Andy Enfield. I think Tommy Lloyd's an incredible coach. I mean, to, this is his first year. He's having all, a bunch of new players play together, and they play as cohesively as any team I've seen in the country. So, yeah, I went with Arizona. Agreed. Uh, I'm going to go – I mean, they're still on the board. Kansas, obviously, for, you know, the Big 12's not very good. They're going to get a high seed. They'll not be in Baylor's bracket, so they don't have to play Baylor again. They just they're, – they're a solid team. I don't think they're – I don't think they're as good as people thought coming into the season. I never really – understood that but to me a lot of college basketball rankings are you you go with the sure thing that you've seen in the past in those preseason rankings rather than try to elevate you know an Arizona or a USC or even in Auburn um, and then I'm, I'm debating between many teams I'm debating between Bama uh, you know, I, I think Illinois is terrible I don't think they're very good Team. I'm, I'm not sold on Brad Underwood as a coach at all. Not really my kind of coach. Give me, give me UCLA for essentially all the same reasons you just said for Arizona and Johnny Juzang's got to catch fire at some point, right? You would think. But it could have been all a complete fluke, and maybe he really should have just left after last year because his draft stock as a second-round pick was as high as it's going to get. All right, so my last two. Yeah, you get, you get two more, then I get one more. So my first team is Xavier. I, th- I think successful teams in the tournament are teams – that can have played great on both sides of the floor, and then you have to have experienced guard play. And if there's one thing Xavier has experienced guard play in Paul Scruggs, Adam Conkle, Kobe Jones, Nate Johnson, I mean, they have one of the best foursomes of guards in America. All these guys can play. All these guys can shoot. All these guys know how to handle the basketball, distribute the basketball. And they have good bigs and Fremantle and Nudge who can stretch the floor. And I don't know. I just have this feeling that Xavier is going to make a run. I just like their team. And uh, they did lose to Villanova there night. They went 0 of 13 from three-pointers in the second half. And they still they still could have won the game. But they're, they're a good shooting team. I, I, don't, I don't expect that from them all year. And then... Man, it's tough over here. Screw it. I'm going Colorado State. I think that David Roddy has that kind of performance in him where he can take a team like Colorado State who does have – I mean, we were talking about this the other day. You can't just put a great player on a college basketball team and expect them to be really good. And that's not what this team is. They have other contributing pieces. And I think David Roddy is capable. He can bang down low with anyone in America. He's big and strong. He can stretch out. He can shoot. And he can carry this team to a Final Four. I really do believe that. With – was David Roddy? What the hell? What? Was he a quarterback prospect as well? I don't doubt it. He's that kind of dude. This had to be someone else, right? How tall is he? He's like six nine. Okay, yeah, it's gotta be someone else. 
Oh, uh, he's not 6'9". He's probably like 6'7". He's from Minnesota. Wait, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure he's from Minnesota. This is crazy. <laughs> There's another guy named David Body who's an elite. Uh, honored as a 2019 Minnesota Male Athlete of the Year for his performance in football, basketball, and track and field. Yeah, dude. This, this guy was recruited for basketball and football. I'm sure he was. He's that kind of guy. Playing quarterback on the football team and throwing the shot put on the track and field team. Was oh, a, listen, Casey, this is the best part. Was a captain in all three sports. Of course he was. Gets a leader. I love it. He threw for 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns with six interceptions as a senior. And they won the championship. Well, you know, we, are, we are somewhat of an LSU podcast here. Yeah, I thought about it. I thought about being the homer. <laughs> you, you said you said experienced guard play Xavier Penson and and they have the, they have the depth. They do to keep coming at you in terms of rebounding the basketball, which can also always be a team's detriment in and come March. So, anything you want to say to the audience before we go on the first episode of On the Line Pod? No, if you tuned in, thank you so much. Uh, Man, my favorite thing in the world is talking about college basketball. And I can talk about these nobody conferences all day. I mean, I had riots hey, for the. Not nobody conferences. Not in my eyes, but I had riots for the American Sun, American East, Summit League. I mean, I could go on all day, but it's been an hour and a half. I think that's plenty of time. I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Do you want to tell them who we're going to preview next week? Oh, definitely the America East, definitely the America Sun, and definitely the Summit. And then, I mean, we'll have to throw a sprinkle. Yeah, we'll sprinkle, we'll sprinkle in a Power Five conference. Yeah, I don't. No, we're not talking about the Big Twelve. Big East. We'll go Big East. Yeah, we're gonna, I'll, yeah I'll, we'll, how about Big East and A10? For us, those are big conferences. Yeah, let's do that. All right, all right. So we'll go Atlantic Sun, American East, Summit, A10, Big East. Join us next time. Appreciate it. And unfortunately, you got to get on the line and run those suicides. See ya.